somebody. <laughs> Amen. Love that. Well, we're going to march uh, uh, into the next text. It happens to be the last text in the book of Acts this morning. I've wanted you to see the story of missions as we have studied the book of Acts for an entire year at this point. Did you realize a year had gone by since we started this book on Sunday mornings? Um, wanted you to see the story of missions. We've seen the mission, missions work is very simply defined. Missions work, you can define with two elements. You're doing missions work if you are helping others come to faith in Jesus or teaching others to believe. Uh, excuse me, teaching others to obey Jesus. So teaching others... Goodness. This isn't going so well. Missions work is, one, helping others come to faith in Jesus. Two, teaching other believers to obey Jesus. There, I got it out. Now, a missionary is someone who leaves their home and their job is to do missions work somewhere else in another culture. Not everybody is called to be a missionary, but everybody is called to do missions work. I wanted you to embrace this central truth as we've looked at this story of missions walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the church does missions, period. Today I want to talk to you about the glory of the missions promise. I want you to look with me at Mark 16, 15-16. Every promise in Scripture comes with instructions and a picture. When God makes a promise, it is Him speaking future things letting us know about what He has foreseen and what He promises He will fulfill. Every promise comes with instructions and a picture so that we'll know what His terms are for the covenant that He is making with us, the promise that He is making, and so that we will also know uh, how, to, how to understand that promise. Mark 16, 15-16, Jesus says, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. Go tell somebody to the whole Creation, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 12-13, through 13, Paul has learned this truth about missions. He says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. In Matthew 10, 16-20, Jesus said, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Matthew 28, 18-20 Jesus said, All authority on earth has been given to me. Go therefore 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Church, I want to remind you this morning of the glory of the mission's promise. I will be with you always, even unto the end of the age. I want you to notice three things from this final passage in Acts, Acts 28, 17 and following. First, I want you to notice this. God's servant is bound, but free. A church, Paul gets to Rome, and he's allowed to stay by himself, but don't get any pictures of any cush living here. Paul is allowed to stay by himself, and he has a guard, and he is wearing chains. Even if he had air conditioning, that's no way to live. Amen or me. Three days after he arrives in Rome, in chains, with the guard, he is free to have visitors, so he calls the Jewish leaders to come and see him. He explains to the Jews that there were Jews in Jerusalem that accused him. And they called for his death. He, he explained to them that he appealed to Caesar, but that he has no charge against the Jewish people. And in Acts 28, 20-22, Paul says this, For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and to speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are, For with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. Now at the end of this mission's story, the book of Acts, at the end of this story in Scripture, we see God's servant bound, but free. When Paul says, it's because of the hope of Israel that I'm wearing these chains. What Paul is telling them is, listen, you have opposed me. And others have opposed others who follow Jesus. You have opposed us us viciously, but you have put me in chains because you believe a lie. The Jews believe wrongly about God. They believe wrongly about the Scriptures. They believe wrongly about Jesus. I want you to see two things here. First, I want you to see this church. I don't know if the headlines are causing fear in your heart. The different gatherings in our culture are causing fear in your heart. Listen to this. Missions work put Paul in chains. The church at this time is being persecuted. 
Even at this time, everywhere the church existed in the Roman Empire, people are opposing the church viciously. Missions work put Paul in chains. I want you to notice the second thing. Paul, though in his chains, is freer than the men who stand before him accusing him who are not wearing chains. Remember the missions promise, the glorious missions promise Jesus said, I will be with you always, even into the end of the age. It's a glorious promise. Paul realizes that he serves a king with a kingdom that is everlasting. Paul knows that Jesus is with him now and that Jesus has always been with him and that Jesus is always going to be with him. Paul knows that in spite of the way things look right now, one day Paul is going to stand before King Jesus and give an account for what he has done with what the king has given him. It is Paul who is in chains. But right here in this scene, I want you to see it is the Jewish leaders who are marching toward punishment on Judgment Day. At the end of the mission story, church, there are no flashing lights. Young people, there's no smoke machine and strobe lights. There's no wall of honor with names. There's no celebration. At the end of this mission's story, God's servant is bound. But he's free. There's a second thing I want you to notice from this text. The gospel is rejected, but also accepted. Look with me at Acts 28, verses 23 through 29. So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets, from morning till evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. So, when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive, for the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Verse 28, therefore let it be known that you let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. When he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. As you read through the New Testament, as you read through the book of Acts, you find that that phrase, great dispute, means a riot. 
all day, Paul taught this crowd of Jews who showed up to hear about this sect that was opposed viciously all throughout the Roman Empire, wherever the church existed. All day he taught them the Scriptures, trying to make them understand that Jesus is the Messiah. Trying to make them understand that Jesus is God. Trying through the Scriptures to help them understand that because all people have rejected God and sinned against Him, God has appointed a judgment day at some point in the future. And because God is love, He announced that judgment day ahead of time. Letting us know that judgment was coming. That everyone who had rejected Him, who had sinned against Him, would suffer the punishment on that judgment day of eternal death in a place called hell. A place of eternal suffering, eternal death by fire. Because God loved all people, He announced this judgment ahead of time. All day, Paul tried to help them understand that Jesus was the one that God promised to Eve, the one that God promised to Abraham, the one that God had promised to David. That Jesus was the one who would shed His innocent blood so that the penalty for death would be satisfied. He tried to make them understand all day by using the Scriptures that Jesus died on the cross as a substitute penalty payer so that all people could be forgiven of our sins. He tried to help them understand by the Scriptures that Jesus confirmed that God's promise of a judgment day was true by rising from the grave on the third day. That Jesus is who He says He is. Jesus is God. All day, He tried to explain to them using the law of Moses and the prophets. Some were convinced. Others still did not believe. And when they couldn't agree among themselves as a group, Paul quotes Isaiah's prophecy that the Jews would reject Jesus. So, Paul declares in Acts 28, verse 28, Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. I want you to see one thing here, church. Remember who this letter is written to. The book of Acts is a letter. Look with me at Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Acts is a letter written to Theophilus. And it is the second letter that Luke wrote to Theophilus. What's the first letter he wrote? The Gospel of Luke. I want you to look at Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. 
Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the Word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Luke is writing two letters to Theophilus that we have access to. Acts is the second letter Luke has written to Theophilus so that Theophilus may have certainty of the things that he has been taught. Luke's final words to Theophilus in the second letter, Acts, is the assurance that the Gentiles will hear the gospel and understand it. Look with me again at Acts 28, verse 28. Some of the last words of this letter to Theophilus. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, Theophilus, sent to you, Theophilus, and others like you, Theophilus, and will be until Jesus returns, Theophilus. For the Gentiles, like you, Theophilus, will listen. Now the name Theophilus means loved by God. Luke addresses him as most excellent Theophilus. Now, I don't know about you, but it's been a long time, well, it's been never that anyone has ever come up to me and addressed me, most excellent Joel. No one's ever done it. Brother Joel, Pastor Joel, Dick calls me high potentate Joel. No one has ever addressed me as most excellent Joel. I would imagine no one's addressed you that either. thing is, I want you to see, Theophilus must have been some high-standing member of society. He was probably a high-ranking official in the Roman government. Probably, most likely, Theophilus is a very influential man. Now this whole letter... Acts, and the Gospel of Luke. These two letters have been written so that Theophilus might be saved. And I want you to see, I want you to be reminded this morning, church, that rejection of the Gospel doesn't stop the Gospel. Paul has spent all day trying to convince the Jews of the truthfulness of the Scriptures, and some believed and some didn't. But as they all left as a group, they were disputing and ended up rioting together out of confusion. The rejection of the Gospel doesn't stop the Gospel. God's people never stop doing missions work. They continue to do missions 
Period. The mission's promise, Jesus said, I will always be with you. Always be with you. When you're in chains, I'll be with you. When you're before persecution, I'll be with you. When you're sitting in church service, I'll be with you. I'll be with you always. When you hear the word cancer, when you, when you, when you, when you get sick, when you feel lonely, when you feel like nobody cares about you, when your brother and sister sins against you, when the lost world closes in on you, I will be with you always. When you share the Gospel and you stutter, I'll be with you. Always. When you're happy, I'll be with you. When you're sad, I'll be with you. When you're troubled, I'll be with you. When you feel great, I'll be with you. When you're hurting, I'll be with you. I will be with you always. It's a glorious promise, church. And we forget. Oh, how we let the little things, even things that seem big to us. We let them distract us from the promise. We don't need anybody except Jesus and He's promised to be with us. Always. If you've put your your hope in another church member, you're going to get let down. Jesus has made the promise He'll be with you always. Amen or oh me? Amen or oh me? Jesus is with Luke as he was with Paul. He's with Luke as he's writing these letters to Theophilus. And I want you to know, want to remind you of what we've learned in Acts. Every time God's people try, people get saved. There's a final thing I want you to see in this text. Missions is costly but rewarding. Look at Acts 28, 30-31. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Church, don't miss this. Paul was in prison in Rome for two more years at his own expense. But he continued to do missions. Period. Now, I'm not really smart. My wife and my daughter beat me daily at Wordle. So bring it up today and ask them who won today. My point is, If you can do missions, period, from a jail cell, you can do missions, period, in Sladen, Mississippi and the surrounding areas and to the ends of the earth. Look with me in Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 32. Jesus said, I will always be with you even until the end of the age, and He promised that the kingdom of heaven would multiply. 
Look what he says. He put a, another parable before them. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Matthew 13, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Church, the story of missions is not glorious, but the promise of missions is glorious. As we finish the book of Acts, I want to leave us with this verse, Revelation 7-9. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. All year wanted to remind us that the church has always, as they have walked in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they've always done missions, period. Now, it's our turn. period.